0: Welcome to ALFC's Message of the Week. Pastor Steve brings a new sermon series, Overcoming the Best, a powerful word in 1 Corinthians and how it correlates with the church of today. Hey, turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And again, if you uh, have your devices, please feel free to turn them on. We already have everything loaded. Slides are there. Everything's ready to go. Um, we are uh, again. Uh, you know, we're we're looking to not have quite as much paper, so we're doing some significant reductions. But we do have we do have notes. We do have paper available if you need it. Just have to ask for it. Otherwise, I just want to encourage you to use um, use your device but man. Use your word too. I just uh, I love I love the touching the word of God. Amen. that's, uh, that's so important. Uh, at least uh, I know for me. Now, as we start this new series, uh, we're going to look at the Corinthian church. Man, that is an amazing church. There are really uh, a couple of pretty long letters that were written by the Apostle Paul, and we call that 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and it's, it probably feels more like a book. It, it technically isn't. It's a letter that was written. And the thing that I have uh, been looking at as I'm studying this is, you know, they are st- they were struggling just like we struggle. You know, I was reading about all the key things that are going on in the church today and the things that are happening, and I thought, we live in a world today and in a community today that is absolutely uh, along the same lines. And so that's why, I, I you know, I, I thought it was kind of a mess. And so I, I've titled the message, Overcoming the Mess. Can you see know me that? Um, that, uh, you should know that that, that title went through a number of filters. Uh, it was like, I thought, okay, we had a list of 10 titles. So finally I said, okay, look at my staff, let's vote. You know, and of course it came out 50-50 Then no one could decide. So I finally said, all right, Lord, you know, which one, Flipped a coin, here you go. Uh, the idea of overcoming the mess seems so relevant because there was kind of a mess in the church. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not saying there's a mess in our church, but I think there is a mess in the community that we call Church Across the Board. There is so much chaos and confusion, our theology, our understanding. So that's why I think that what we're doing is so directed of God, because I wanted to bring some practical integration and application with absolute real issues that obviously happened then, and also are happening today. And what happened is with this letter, they fixed the mess. You know, it wasn't perfect, but I'm thankful that I can say we can fix this. Yeah. Yeah. If we study the Word of God, and you can you can go home and say, Pastor said that this can be fixed, and it can be, if we follow along according to the Word of God. And and so what this does is that this is... this kind of confronts us about some very real-life uh, problems, people problems. I mean, can you imagine in church there's people problems? Wow, what an amazing thought. I've often said if it wasn't for people, this place would be perfect. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of the way it works, right? And so, I mean, it's been this way from, you know, day one. And we all face these things. And I want you to know it's not just about church. I think this is in our community. We're going to be talking about problems that we face in our community at work. I mean, these are things that face across the board. It's not just unique to the church. And I want you to really get a hold of this. I am addressing things that I believe are unique to our society and to our community. And I'm intentionally. And so I, I sort of listed this. I'm not going to go through this. This is kind of, you're wondering what are the key issues. I've listed the key issues that are in. Uh, So we're going to be doing this over the next several months. We're going to go through these key issues and other things, but I mean, what can be better than looking at conflict, uh, and not just, this is personal conflict, the kind of thing that happens with us, but also what happens in business and and work. We're going to look at authority, you know, so who's who's in charge, right? What does authority mean? We're going to look at uh, sexuality. I I love lawsuits, right? We're going to look at uh, all the fun lawsuits, so... All of my legal people here are going to be really well instructed, looking at the principles of, you know, how it is we bring correction and arbitration. I mean, there's actually a lot of information here. We're going to look at idolatry. Now, that sounds really ancient, doesn't it? So we think, well, I mean, does anyone have an idol hanging out at home? Go ahead, raise your hand. Everyone should, because, you know, it's called a TV set, right? Or something, right? Your idol is... I mean, I just know why God didn't give me a boat. It'd be an idol in my driveway, you know? So it's probably why he's holding, I'm kidding. Uh, But, you know, we have objects that can be idols. Uh, We have ideas that can be idols. I mean, is this crazy? You have family members that can be idols? I mean, you hear people talk about their family and their kids, and it's like it's idol worship. Uh, Just, it's kind of crazy. So we'll be talking about some of that. Obviously, marriage, husband and wife stuff. Um, Communion. We're going to celebrate Communion Day. There was a problem with communion in the church at Corinth, just like there's a problem today. Now, you're kind of wondering what that problem is. You'll have to wait. We'll get into it a little bit later. Uh, We're going to talk about spiritual gifts, the second coming, and of course, you know, the ever-popular self-centeredness, which I know is certainly just a problem in the church in Corinth. Amen? We've got that already figured out. So what we have here is a word of God that's going to help us. Can I remind you that the word of God has the answers? And, you know, this Bible that we have, remember the scripture tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So here's a fancy way of saying that we can mature. I say that word not as a negative. I don't want you to think you're being put down. I'm not saying you're immature. But the idea of being immature spiritually probably has a lot more to do with a lack of discipline, probably a lack of information, a lack of application, integration of the Word of God. You've got to realize some of what is needed in order to fix this is our participation in what needs to happen. I mean, again, if we're talking about people's stuff, then it requires people interacting with people. You know, I, I'm going to come up with some very clear answers. I'm going to share with you from the Word what it's going to take. As a matter of fact, we're going to see in a moment uh, an overview of what, it, what needs to happen. But you have to get this. You and I need to be responsible to actually engage in this. You know, remember our theme is to engage, to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to realize that alone would fix a lot of things. I mean, can you imagine everything you do before you say something, before you (laughs) write, before you send a letter off, before you post that thing on Facebook? You want to ask yourself, is this being done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, think about how many things we might not have posted. If we have just filtered it through with a simple filter, is this something that God would want me to put out there? I mean, you ever asked yourself the question, is anyone processing and filtering? That's one of the most important... We've lived in a world today where we have removed our filters. And I think what the Word of God's going to help us understand is let's put the filters back in. It's good. Because in that way, we can live life really well. Mm-hmm. Now, there is... And if you look at verse uh, uh, 13 and 14 of chapter 16, you can see right away that we have... Um, Kind of, I, I love this, and it's, I was thinking we're going to start with the last chapter and then go back to the first chapter, because what you have here is the Word is giving us a basically kind of a quick summary. So given everything that has been written, here is what you need to do, right? You with me on this? I love this. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Let's read that together out loud. Ready? Begin. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Now, I know that may seem too simple, but what you have here is something that if you and I would begin to do these five things, these are five Again, imperatives. An imperative is something where the, the, the writer in Scripture is saying, you need to do this. This isn't an option. This is something that when you look at the language, again, I'm going to use kind of a strong word. This is a command. Because here you've got the writer to this church, and we're gonna, we're gonna, the writer's the Holy Spirit. Yes. And you have the Holy Spirit right now communicating through a man to us that is saying, okay, you want to fix this stuff? okay, here's what you got to do. Watch, stand fast in faith, be brave, be strong, and let everything you do, everything you do, let it be done with love. Amen. And all of a sudden, the answer becomes pretty clear, can you imagine living this way? We're given instruction on how to live life, not when it's a crisis only, but the every day you wake up, you and I are, are given, if you will, a bit of a of an imperative so let's look at these. i'm gonna go through these fairly quickly but i want you to to kind of nail them down because the first one is you know about how are we going to fix this by watch literally be on your guard be diligent in carrying out the will of god it was written earlier so my dear brothers and sisters be strong and immovable is the church today immovable let me answer that for you. No, not at all. So the same thing that was going on today is going on back then. And so what we have here is the Holy Spirit saying, look, you guys got to lock this thing down. Work, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Okay, now is that only when you're at church? No. See, again, here's the crazy part. We are enthusiastic about all of our work for the Lord. So when you go and you work at the fast food place or you go and you're a teacher in a classroom, you go to the shipyard and you're working on some uh, electronic or some construction work or you're, you are working as a professional and you're dealing with people or situations, work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Amen. Keep some into that. There's some things that you got to ask yourself, was that really useful, God? And the Word is saying, well, yes. Everything we do is useful, but why? Why is that true? Because of how we do it. You see, it becomes useful with your enthusiasm. You might think the actual work itself I mean, I would imagine you've been assigned a responsibility every now and then by your supervisor or boss, and you're going, this is a waste. There's no reason that I should be have to do this. So you're smiling. That's happened a couple times? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. We're on, we're on video. We don't want to have anyone knowing that Lee said that. But uh, so that might happen occasionally, right? If it works in the military. Every now and then, things like that happen. Right? I, I can't imagine in my years in the military. I never, they never asked me to do anything that wasn't useful. Uh, okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but here's the thing I'm so impressed with people who are really successful. And I love it when you see this because I think uh, I, I see this in Lee, I see this in Pastor Ken, I see this in a lot of people, especially who served in the military. They are just absolutely enthusiastic about everything that they do. It's like no job is too small. And even if I know, I know inside they're thinking, why am I doing this? Lord, why am I doing this? And at some point, the answer is, it doesn't matter. You've assigned me this, and I'm going to do this with an yes. unbelievably great attitude. Amen. So here's what the Word of God is saying. Man, watch out. Be on guard. Be diligent. Be enthusiastic about carrying out the will of God for everything that we do. The church is not doing that today. My guess is that this will be a challenge, and you'll face the challenge tomorrow morning when you wake up. The next thing that we're given instruction for is to stand fast in the faith. Again, it was written, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to yeah. believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. What do you think is going on with the church here? Just like today, they were struggling with, so, do I really believe this? I, I love that song the, uh, we just sang, I believe. I, that is like the coolest psalm because it summarizes so much of who we are and what we're about. And, and you begin to realize that in this understanding, we are being challenged today in what we believe. And right now, one of the biggest questions that happened in the church at Corinth is happening today, so what do we believe and who are we? Now, if you look at the next slide... I put this up for you. I'm not going to go into it. I want you to look at this because this is an overview of eight statements that are necessary for us to be evangelical believers. So in case you're wondering, we are a charismatic evangelical church. And, and all that means is that we believe in these things. And if you look at it, this means that our faith in God is our first priority in life. I mean, we believe that. That's That's what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ, is that you see your faith as a first priority. Now, I say that, and I think sometimes it echoes in our head. Because I am interacting with people where that really isn't being lived out. Uh, We have a personal responsibility to share our beliefs about Jesus. We have, you and I, have a responsibility to share our beliefs with others. That's what it means to be this Christian, that Satan, hell, Jesus, and heaven exist. That's We're going to talk about that. That is a huge controversy today. You know, whether or not these things really exist. That Jesus incarnate never sinned. Can you say amen of that? A lot of people don't believe that. They did a, they did a study looking at American Christians, right? People who say they're Christians across the United States. Sixty percent of Christians today are no longer convinced that Jesus never sinned. Now, the minute you open that door and that understanding, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to have to fix that when we will. That the Bible is inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. It's 100%. That eternal salvation is possible only through God's grace. It's not by works. See, there's a new thing right now that there's a lot of people who are believing if you're just a good person, then you're good enough to go to heaven. That is a huge huge new movement in the church. I want to awaken you to some of these realities that, you know, we know that God is perfect, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere at all times. There are people who are not convinced of that. (laughs) That He created the universe, He rules it, He is the same yesterday, day, and forever, and that the Holy Spirit is the active third person of the Trinity. He is not the force. I had someone tell me, you know, I just see the Holy Spirit, as kind of like the force is with me. I wanted to go, "Ah oh. <laughs> not true. I mean, thank you, Hollywood. I- aren't you so thankful for all the great movies that are coming out? Again, I- can I just remind you, one of the ways we fix things is to realize Hollywood is not the authority for our spirituality. Yes, Amen. <laughs> Oh, just thinking about it is kind of funny, but it's a crazy, especially our those uh, who have, all they've known since day one is media, yeah. and all they know. I mean, people yeah. uh, watch more than they read, mm-hmm. right? They they watch stuff, and so they actually, you know, they they go to YouTube. So I want to know how to. I mean, right? If you want to fix something, go to YouTube, right? That's yeah. you can do anything on this planet, right? And so, what's the message? Everything is that we need to know is contained here. Rather than, let me reflect back to this Bible, everything we know is right here in the Word of God. Yes. But you have to understand, the church is in a mess. Because this, what I just said, is not true anymore. It's true for us sitting here, most likely. Although, again, I'm not going to make any assumptions. But it's, it's the reality that things are changing quickly. Yes. Now, We're being challenged, and I just listed these for you. I'll let you look at them. They're there for you. These are the questions we are going to answer over this series. I wanted you to see where we're going, and we're going to address, you know, all of these questions. Is there a real place called hell? You know, if we're good enough, do we go to heaven? Is the Bible trustworthy? Is marriage a valid institution? Is Jesus real? Is he sinless? Authority, the good, bad, and ugly. Uh, Discipleship, mentorship uh exclusivity i mean i mean is christ alone the only way for eternal life and a connection to god Mm -hmm. we see so many people disagree with you they are so unbelievably disagreeing with you (laughs) i mean evil and suffering i mean i just had i just had this conversation last week and the person asked me i don't get this does god allow suffering did god cause my suffering Because we were talking about a childhood experience, and this person said to me, I am really struggling with the fact that I hear God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere. Was he not there when I went through what I went through? And if he was there, why did he let this happen? Those are some very real questions when you realize the numbers of people who have gone through abuse and neglect and trauma and, and just ugly moments in life which it touches most all of us leaves raise very real challenges right. we're going to look at that we have answers for that uh, we're going to look at you know is science and technology more important than faith today a lot of people believe that the answer is science i mean when you think of all the unbelievable things that are happening today this is becoming a huge challenge and what about post-christianity you ever heard that? See, we believe in pre-Christianity, right? We believe that you're all pre-Christians before you know Jesus. Can you say a minute of that? So you don't remember. We used to talk about this a lot, that we believe every human being is a pre-Christian because we believe because God said that he wants no one to perish. So rather than saying you are a going-to-hell person, <laughs> we say, oh, no, you're a pre-Christian. <laughs> Doesn't that sound better? Can you say a of that? It almost sounds like we have tribulation, pre, mid, and post. (laughs) I was thinking about that. This is not what this is saying. Not at all. Post-Christianity is the new term of something that is happening today. Why don't you look at this? There are right now people who have said that they are Christians, and here's what's happening. They still would identify and say, I am a Christian. But they no longer believe in the biblical God. They see themselves as atheists or agnostic. Faith is not important. They stop praying. They're not committed to to Jesus' Lord any longer. The Bible is seen as inaccurate. They stop giving to church. They stop attending church, stop reading the Bible, stop attending small groups, stop going to Bible classes. And it's what I call the, I've stopped living for Jesus Christianity. And this is very real. They're studying this. We're seeing it. And so what we have here is a huge number of people that have perhaps grown up in the church, been you know, at some point exposed to it, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason now, they have stopped. And these are things that they have, listen, these things have been identified by sociologists and people who do all kinds of marketing and stuff like that, and here's what they're saying, this is very real today in the community we live in. And I know that to be true because I'm talking to people who, who would say, "Well, yeah, I, I grew up in the church. I'm, a, yeah, I'm a Christian." So when's the last time you went to church? Oh, it's been a year or two. When's the last time you read your Bible? I can't remember. When's the last time you talked to God? Well, I, I talk to him all the time. Then you probe a little bit, and it's not really a meaningful conversation. <laughs> it's more like a you know a bullet statement, and you know greeting God. So do you see? This is. We're going to talk about these things. This is, I want you to get this into your heart and your mind. This is what's happening today. I want to awaken you. I I hope to create a sense of urgency starting today. I hope to get you a little restless. I want you to feel stirred. I want you to look at this and go, oh my God, this can't be happening. And I don't want you to bury your head in the sand. I want you to rise up as the army of God and say, wait a second, we need to fight against this. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was teaching by way of the Holy Spirit here to the the church in Corinth. Look, at this is going on, guys. We need to wake up. We need to, and look at the next slide, we need to be brave, courageous. And we put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We are in a battle. And I never thought that when I first started off getting into, you know, my training and I became a pastor and here I am a bunch of years later, I, didn't, I did, did not imagine myself saying these things. I mean, I mean, it wasn't too long ago, man, it was just, it wasn't this difficult. And I was saying to my uh, staff, I said, we are facing some unbelievable challenges. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are just, we're struggling with all of these things. And I looked at them, I said, we have to, we need to fix this. I said, give me an answer. And it was quiet. And they looked at me, I said, no, no, I don't have the answer. You have to have the answer. I think we're all struggling with what do we do? Here's what we don't do we don't give up. Amen. That's right. Right. That's right. Yes. The church is giving up, though. And we're giving in. Yes. You've got to be real careful here. There are a lot of things right now that I think some things are good that we're changing. But some things that we're changing aren't so good. So here's what the Word is saying. Be brave. Be courageous. Put on the armor of God. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you put on the armor of God? And when I say that, that you got up, remembered the Scripture and thought, I'm going to work today. And I'm going to put on my spiritual armor. I'm going to equip myself because God's called me to be brave in the world that I face. And I need to be brave in my conversations. I need to be brave in my confrontation. And when someone is saying something that opposes what I know to be against the word of God, I'm going to start speaking up. I'm not going to be afraid of whatever it is that they think that they can do or not do. We have become afraid of a very small group at times, and it holds us back like we are now somehow afraid to speak what we know to be the truth of the Word of God. And and I am not talking about just any one area. There are a bunch of areas where we're not willing to say to someone, what you are doing is wrong. How dare you suggest that I'm doing something wrong? It's my life. I'm free to do whatever I want to do and yet it directly contradicts the Word of God, and we know the damage it does. Some of this stuff does unbelievable damage to people. I'm going to give you, and someone says, Pastor, don't forget to give them the science of this. I'll give you the science of it. I'll give you all the backup in addition to what the Word of God says that we know from our studies that some of these things are hurting human beings. We are seeing the consequences of it, and we've had had some of the stuff go on long enough. We now can look back and do studies and go, and here's what a lot of people are saying, you know, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Can you imagine someone saying that? We have said that a lot. God's called us to be brave and to be strong with the strength given by the Holy Spirit. You must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness, and in deceitful scheming. In other words, you and I need to be strong. The Holy Spirit has strengthened you. He has given you the word. Be strong. Know this stuff. But what's happening is we are so ignorant and we're watching so many podcasts and YouTubes and getting on all these kinds of crazy sites rather than knowing the Word of God so that we are getting bounced around. This is the imagery of a small boat on a stormy sea. And if you've ever been on a small boat, let's say 30 feet or less, I've been on those boats. When you're out in the middle of the water and there's swells, it doesn't take much, but you know, three, four, five feet, man, you get sick. You are bouncing all over. You're like a cork. And this is the imagery here is that you are getting bounced around. Why? Because you're still children in the Word. Now, that's not a, don't take that the wrong way. No one's calling you a child. But in your knowledge, in your understanding, there is still an immaturity in your understanding. And the result is every new thing that comes along, man, you're going, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Oh yeah, that's what the church ought to do. Oh, I saw that on a clip. Why aren't we doing that? Oh, that is a great thing. Let's go ahead. Let's make that happen. That looks exciting. What do children desire? Excitement. Man, I got all kinds of little grandkids and they they are so excited when I sit down and say, "Let's just talk," "Oh, grandpa." I want excitement. I want bubbles. I want action. I want movement. I don't want to sit and talk. I want to do stuff. I want to rest. (laughs) It It tells us, let all that you do be done with love. Christ's love constrains us. It's a constraint. Because we love God, we don't do stuff. The love of God isn't a reason to do stuff. The love of God is a reason not to do stuff. Ever thought about that? I mean, I've had people say, well, God is love. So we shouldn't ever say anything bad. That's just not true. Because God is love, then there's things we don't do. That's exactly what the Word of God is saying. Let me give you a new commandment. Love one another in the same way I loved you. You love one another. And this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Now, Jesus loved us so much that he turned over the money changers tables. Jesus loved us so much that he healed people and then rebuked people saying, stop doing this. That's how much God loved us. There are times when God said, don't do that. There are times when God gave clear instruction and came back and said, you know, if I don't say this, you guys are going to get in a mess here. And you're not going to have the very best that my love has for you. God loved us so much that he went through a violent death. You've got to remember how much God loved us and how we are to love one another. Amen. The love of God constrains us. It holds us. And so the Word of God is saying, okay, this is an important part of what is being instructed in the Word of God. And so we come around the Lord's table with an understanding. Now, I, I, this is from the message, 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at this in more detail, but I wanted to see for you to see the application. Let me go over again with you exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper. Now, you get the kind of the the commentary there? In other words, what's been going on is not appropriate. And why it's so centrally important. I received my instructions from the master himself, and he passed them on to you. The master Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. Having given thanks, he broke and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread, every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You'll be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. You think that ever happens in the church? anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death now i say that's a bit strong wouldn't you but that is what happens you think oh i'm just going to go through the ceremony i'm going to go through the process i get a small piece of matzah a little cup of grape juice no big deal Let's just go through. It's a nice thing. I, I appreciate the moment. That's what the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth saying, no, 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 no. This is not that. It's much more than that. Mm-hmm. This is a huge moment. <clears throat> is that the kind of remembrance you want to be part of? Examine your motives. Test your heart. Come to this meal and holy. I'm going to look at that in great detail in a, in a few weeks. But I want you to understand even today that the very thing that we're reading in verse 13 and 14 directly applies to our actions right now. So can I encourage you to be brave today? Can I encourage you to take a stand in your faith? Can I encourage you to be watchful? Can I encourage you to do this in love? Real love? not something that the world would define, but as Jesus Christ has defined it? I want you to think about these things as we hold the elements and prepare to receive communion together and bring this all together in this final moment. Thank you for listening. Tune in each week and be greatly inspired and move to deeper revelation. For service times and other resources, go to our website at alsc.us or download our app.